0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Lamont or visiting RadioLamont.com. The Michelin Lamont Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Michelin Le Mans Cup for 2019 reaches its climax this weekend at Portimao, and there are beautiful conditions on the Algarve in the southern portion of Portugal this weekend, uh, with racing cars about to be unleashed onto the racetrack here. This place is just two metres shorter than Barcelona that we were at earlier on this year. And it's similar in nature in a way, although you get much more undulation at this place, a real rollercoaster affair, particularly (laughs) in that middle and crucial sector. So good afternoon. My name's Johnny Palmer. I'm joined by Graham Goodwin of dailysportscar.com to take you through, first of all, qualifying. And we don't have a race to look forward to later on today because that will take place early tomorrow morning. Everyone's going to have to be bright-eared and bushy-tailed for the final round of the season, Graham.
1: I can't promise either of those, but we will be here at least, Uh, Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's a beautiful day here at the Circuit Delgarve. 23 degrees in the air and 31 degrees on track, it says the uh, the temperature there. As the Michelin and Cup cars make their way from the paddock into pit lane, the GT cars lined up. There will be eight of those for this quick-fire 15 minutes uh, qualifying session, and uh, many of the usual suspects as well. Johnny Palmer.
0: There certainly are, yes, because eight cars are about to head out onto track. A couple from the Swiss squad Kessel Racing, of which this team is based, so the metallic blue Claudio Schiavone. And it looks like, actually, in the Kessel cars, John Hotshorn is down because he is the bronze-rated driver. That's the other thing we should tell you about this session, is that Michelin Le Cup is deliberately designed to... Uh, give the bronze drivers a little bit more time behind the wheel of the car, and also gives them entire responsibility for qualifying the car, deciding on where it goes on the grid. Essentially, then they have at least 55 minutes to do in the race tomorrow morning, sharing the car as uh, the bronzes do with either a silver or indeed a gold. There's no restriction on your second driver, but we're delighted to say we've got cars uh, from brands like Ferrari, from Mercedes, and from Porsche. And from Aston Martin, the Beach Dean AMR car once again is here with Ross Gunn and Andrew Howard due to drive it number 99. And it'll be Andrew Howard who must uh, do the qualifying. So far this year, we have uh, been to Paul Ricard at the start of the year, then on to Italy and the fabulously historic track at Monza. The doubleheader at Le Mans, which were two... Uh, two races in the sort of split format, whereas these, these are the two-hour races in the bread-and-butter part of the season. Le Mans is different because they run to 55 minutes, one on the Thursday morning and one uh, on a Saturday ahead of the, the big race itself, the Le Mans 24 hours. So there are half points on those events, and in LMP3, a winner piece for Francois Kerman, Laurence Hoare and the Lannan Racing car of Mikey Benham and Duncan Tappy. We'll be talking an awful lot about those two cars, the 3 and the 25, when we get to the LMP3 session, because those are the two cars duking it out for the championship. As far as GTs are concerned, by the way, uh, championship currently led by the number eight car, which is Kessel Racing, and Sergio Pianazzola, due to qualify the number eight car, they're battling out uh, for the championship with Lucy. Racing, who, of course, uh, the Swiss team, although very much linked to America, Lucic Racing, on the cusp of a double um, Le Mans entry because they've already nailed the ELMS, <clears throat> the GT part of the ELMS, and secured an automatic invitation then to uh, Circuit de la next summer, and this could be two entries if they yeah. manage to take the
1: victory. It most certainly could, and uh, but they're going to need to work hard for this. It's actually a little out of their hands to a degree. Castle Racing uh, with a uh, reasonable points lead. Is it nine points, Jenny? To to under
0: 30 seconds to start Q3 qualifying
1: session. Uh, but uh, add into the mix as well that some of the other cars in this session have been coming on strong as the season's progressed, and we're going to see. I think one of those first in the queue at Pitt. entry. There it is. That is the HD Aston Martin, and Ten, that was very much nine, a feature eight, last time out. Seven, six,
0: five, four, three. Two one GTC qualifying session has started. So it's fifteen minutes as indicated by the time at the top of the screen and The 15 minutes includes your outlap, which is going to take a fairly long time for cars to go around, as I say, this 4.6-kilometre circuit. This entirely, then, the outgoing lap is to get uh, heated to tyres and into brakes and then really push hard. But the the delightful thing about these sessions is that generally the bronze drivers take their time to find their fastest effort. And often that doesn't come till the uh, the very end of the session. So a really exciting natural crescendo.
1: It is a gathering storm, isn't it, these 15 minutes of qualifying? Again, Laverne it is that's, uh, of course, tasked with the efforts for the 71 car in the wheel tracks of the number 99 uh, Beach Dean Aston Martin, Andrew Howard, aboard that car. Ross Gunn, of course, will join him for the race tomorrow, and Ross was, well, spectacular uh, last time out. I think we're going to get a close race, and I think we're going to get another close qualifying session here, Johnny Palmer, 51 Ferrari there. That is Christoph Ulrich. Another car that's had a number of good results this season without really breaking through. So these are drivers, and in some cases teams, that will aspire to be moving up the endurance racing ladder. Michelin Le Mans Cup has had a great success rate in encouraging exactly that, with teams and drivers aplenty making their way through this contest up into the European Le Mans Series and indeed to the FI World Endurance Championship as well. So it has delivered
0: by the way pole positions so far have gone three in the direction of Michelmac and Fabian Laverne it's Laverne that gets all the credit for those because he's done every single one of them at Ricard the second Road to Le Mans event and Spa-Francorchamps last month other pole positions Sergei Pianazzola at his home race took pole at Monza and it was an Aston Martin at the front of the grid for the second, for the first uh, Le Mans... Ah, yeah, I missed one out. For the uh, first Le Mans race, uh, Andrew Howard and Ross Gunn. The one I've missed is Marco Zanettini and Stefano Pizzucchi, just because they're a little bit further down the championship, on 20 points. They come to this round 10th, therefore, behind Piccini and P-t-t- Pialazzola, who lead the championship. Fabian, Laverne, Michelmack, they're the two... Uh, squads that can still mathematically win. Andrew Had and Ross Gunn just keen really to make sure they finished third because they've got Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani breathing down their neck along with Dexter Muller and Yannick Metler, who've been slow burners this season uh, but the, um, that car is here isn't it? Yes and yeah. that's the SPS Automotive Performance car. Just had a, a brief thought that uh, they hadn't made the trip to Portugal but they're definitely there car 54, the red and black machine from SPS.
1: Yeah, uh, all eight cars out on track, and uh, it's the beginning of the end of the season, of course, for these teams and these cars. Uh, Not a lot I can tell you quite yet about the shape of the grid for this championship next year, other than there are going to be some surprises, and they're going to be good ones. (laughs) Uh, So watch this space for news emerging in the weeks, and I hope uh, it's weeks and months to follow, uh, because uh, there are certainly teams looking with some very exciting machinery indeed to bring here to the Michelin-Lemond Cup. We'll come to the prototype uh, runners, of course, a little later, but uh, let's give their day in the sun, and it is lovely and sunny here, mm. um, to the GT cars. They're now out onto their first flying laps. It's Fabian Laverne at the moment, his quickest. He's set the fastest two f- uh, uh, first sectors at the moment in this session. Just 11 and a half minutes to go in the session. There is. is. Uh, we're going to see another... Example here, Johnny, where it's a two or three car race for pole position. I suspect we might. It's a one forty-four-two three zero is Laverne's first offering. That is almost exactly a second clearer Sergio Pinazzola to one forty-five-two three three. So one point zero zero three seconds is the gap right now. But as you quite rightly said at the top of the show, these times will have come a tumbling. They will,
0: and that's a good benchmark figure, I think, for Fabian Laverne. 144.2 A full second clear of other efforts. But Zola, I'm sure, was taking it relatively easy on that first lap just to make sure he gets a banker in. Uh, These, Needless to say, these cars are all on the same tyre as in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, the clues in the title, really. And therefore, there's no uh, advantage as such, although it does depend on how each individual chassis wears their tyres across a full stint. And bear in mind that these cars are going to have to do around about an hour... Uh, before the tyres are changed and the driver is changed at uh, as close to 60 minutes as possible. But then again, you kind of want your bronze driver in for slightly less of the time. As long as they each do 55 minutes, then that's fine as far as the regulations are concerned. Amazing how quickly time disappears here. We've already had five minutes and just the two laps for each car, but one of those, of course, uh, is the only one that counts because the others were the
1: outlap. I should say, and uh, again, backing up what Johnny said a little earlier in the programme about the progression of these lap times, every single set of time I'm looking at the moment on the timing screen, for every single car has an improvement, um, and th- the big improvement is coming for the provisional pole-sitting car, Fabian Laverne, if we get the first car that's going to get a luck deleted, it's going to be the number 60 Kessel Racing car, Claudio Giavoni, crosses the line, and that 143, well, it becomes a 143.545, Uh, But he's chased hard and the gap closes to 7 tenths per second by Sergio Pinazzola at 1.44.2. So Pinazzola would have gone quickest had it not been for a big improvement for Fabian Laverne. And that is the pattern we're used to seeing now in the Michelin Le Cup qualifying, Johnny.
0: It certainly is. I don't think you can know that you've got pole position until... The last car crosses the line and that will extend, generally speaking, beyond the 15-minute time limit as well. Because if you squeeze across the line, remember, just seconds before the chequered flag flies, then that lap you've just started will count. You have to see the chequered flag before the session is completed. Classic sight going past the rotunda, downhill, hard braking, really tricky part of the circuit, that which is turn six, the start of sector two. And this is really the point where you start to have fun in the uh, the undulation and the gradient change of this place. It uh, fires you out of turn nine, and then you plummet downhill through 10, the left-hander, and then back up the other side through 12, uh, 11 and 12, and then thunder back downhill again. Your stomach in your mouth many times around this lap.
1: It really is a... You know, it's a it sounds like something of a cliche, but it's a roller coaster of a track. It truly is. Uh, lots of rise and fall... And that Rotunda, what a great place to watch a motor race from the top of that, uh, Johnny Palmer. Watch for that in the race, by the way. That hairpin bend uh, in full view of that is where we certainly get an awful lot of incidents.
0: There's a reason why there's a grandstand there, isn't there? <laughs> and, and normally it's packed throughout the race because, yeah, if you want incident, you know, Michelin Le Mans Cup race or indeed a European Le Mans Series race, then uh, down at Turn Six, it comes a plenty
1: just watching the effort here and it's a good effort from Sergio Pinazzola he closes the gap to one tenth of a second it's still 143.545 5 from 546 rather from Fabio Laverne. it's 143.646 from uh, Pinazzola a tenth of a second it is halfway through the session this is not done yet behind them by the way Dirk Muller Dirk Muller Dexter Muller my, my apologies and the SPS AMG is third quickest the 54 car Uh, but 1.8 seconds back. But Andrew Howard doing a great job. He's fourth quickest, just under four tenths back from the 54 AMG.
0: So four different cars have enjoyed pole position so far this year. Are we going to get a fifth different machine, I wonder, at the sharp end? EB Motors of Italy, car number 88. Their Porsche currently in sixth position with Alessandro Baccani doing the times. Sixth in the championship. Again, Well, with a chance of just about finishing on the podium, it's going to... No, I think they're just out of it, actually. Just work that out. 49 to 59. They could sneak into fourth place, and if results really went their way, then maybe a podium is possible in the overall championship. But it's going to be a duel, no doubt about it, between Car 8 at Kessel Racing and 71 Lucic Racing, with just nine points separating them. That could become 10, of course, if the 8 car manages to finish this session ahead.
1: Up to fourth for the B-Motors Porsche, the number 88 car on the hands of Bakani. Goes fourth quickest with a 1.45, 3.84. Just shaded out of Dexter Mullers time. They're just tenths of a second apart uh, on their lap last lap. And a much, much better time there from the B-Motors 88 uh, car. So a bit of uh, an attempt to rest pole position from the uh from Fabien Laverne by Sergio Pianatzola. I think he's had a lap. He has had a lap deleted, so he's fallen back down the order. So it's back to seven tenths of a second now that uh lap that got him a tenth of a second shy has been taken away by race control or track limits.
0: Well everybody was warned at the start of the session, and I'm sure during the driver's briefing and the other uh free practice sessions too, so they can't complain that nobody told them about track limits. It's uh, Tending to be in the same sort of areas we see it as well every year, so out of turn one and also. Had of turn six somebody else had a time deleted
1: uh, there's lots of times being deleted but uh, the the trend I'm looking for is a real battle for third on this grid 1.8 seconds 0.2 seconds off the pole position time for the SPS AMG we talked about that uh, but uh, just a couple of hundredth se- uh, hundredths of a second back from that Christoph Ulrich and then Bacani is a further seven thousandths of a second back so it is 36 thousandths of a second separates three cars from third down to fifth on this grid
0: and again plummeting downhill. Alessandro baccani has improved through the first two sectors, nearing the end of the third. And it's so crucial to get turn 16 right, because that determines your speed up this little hill. Quite nadgy that, but also sort of slow the pull down. And Baccani will go in third position as it. a result of that. So That's cracking time.
1: Great time from him. 145-144. Substantial improvements from him. It didn't need to be all that substantial though to grab those two positions. Johnny Palmer's done rather ..better than otherwise he might have done. So it is still Fabian Laverne from Sergio Pinazzola, Bacani, Muller, Ulrich, Howard, Schiavone and John Hartshorn are your eight. Fabian Laverne, at the moment, looking pretty untroubled at attempt to get onto terms with the original pole sitter. Uh, just fell foul of track limits, but Pinazzola's still out there and I just wonder what the game plan is here. Is he just letting these tyres just go through a heat cycle?
0: Yeah, it's possible just backing things off a little bit to push again Uh, but very much a battle for pole position between the two championship protagonists and we did expect this Laverne at the moment with the advantage and it's 7 tenths of a second over Pianizzola
1: you know Bacani hasn't given this one up he's taken another tenth out of his best in the first sector it's 1.5 seconds down at the moment on pole position but he's chipping away and chipping away, certainly defending his position on the grid, and he's not going to find terribly much more. It's about 8 tenths of a second he's got to find to get onto the front row of the GT grid. Doesn't make an improvement in sector two, but he's around the kind of pace at the moment out there that Fabian Laverne is managing to turn.
0: Heading out of the, the turn at 15 is car 88 then and now through past the motorcycle chicane not in use this weekend to then head back up the hill so Alessandra Bacani going blue again through the first sector that shows a personal best improvement and it's a PB through the third sector as well not an overall improvement that's a 145.2 he really wasn't very far away from his best time 145.1 still third position
1: then for the Porsche but there was time to find in that Porsche I don't think front row is actually nailed down quite yet, he's certainly shown that he's got the opportunity the uh, the ability rather to improve sector times here if he can put an ideal lap together I think that is going to trouble the current time there for Piazzola, Fabian Laverne meanwhile with two minutes to go in the in the uh, session has bailed out uh, in provisional pole position, he's now on pit lane in the 71 car. Is he going to grab that point? Is Pinitzola going to give it another flyer right at the end here?
0: Well, all those at Lucic Racing, <clears throat> excuse me, with the 71 Ferrari, feel that that's enough because they have the cushion of nearly three-quarters of a second. Still Alessandro Baccani, the 52-year-old born in Serengo in Switzerland, but Italian by nationality, still pushing incredibly hard and getting quicker and quicker. Uh, he's 1.5 seconds away from Laverne. That seems to be out of reach, but is there still the potential for a Porsche to sneak onto the front row in the next 90 minute? Uh, 90 minutes, 90 seconds or so.
1: Still improvements in time coming, uh, mainly from the cars at the lower end of the order. Both first, uh, Claudio Giavoni and John Hartshorn putting in better times uh, on that lap around, but still seventh and eighth in this order. Quicker guys, of course, to come with both of them come race time. At Solar he's going to get one more shot at this. Johnny coming around to finish what could be, if he chooses to stay out, his penultimate lap. Watching for where other improvements might come. We're under a minute to go until the checkered flag comes out to finish this session. Well, of course, if you started a flying lap, you can finish it.
0: I don't think Fabien Laverne's heart rate is going to be overly troubled right now. He's sitting in the car still, the uh, time has gone. Uh, to, tent, to send the car back out again because it's going to take a minute and 45 to go round even to start another lap there are 35 seconds left on the clock
1: well Solo has gone round to have another crack this will be his final chance so too has Christoph Ulrich Andrew Howard is now on his final flying lap and uh, set the fastest third sector at the beginning if you like the end of the previous one so is he on a bit of a fly let's keep an eye on that one too clock is ticking down to the final 10 seconds before chequered flag is shown. Next yep. to Muller, meanwhile, fourth quickest. He's bailed out the session and will do no better than fourth in the SPS AMG. So AMG this weekend.
0: John Hartson's not going to get an extra lap. So this will be the final lap for car. 50 about to head across the line and receive the chequered flag. And for John Hartson, it's no improvement, although he got, again, very close, just within a tenth of a second of his best time. The 60 car over the line as well. Claudio Schiavone is an improvement, although only in time, not in position. So good that can Nearly
1: a second, by okay. the
0: way. Yeah, yep. well, well worth a mention. 147.283 for Schiavone, which will put him no better than seventh place, but showing good speed for the race tomorrow morning.
1: It's by the way, on uh, track to potentially improve his time, but certainly is not going to trouble pole position on this lap. I think we call it for Fabian Laverne at this stage. But, uh, another great performance there for Fabian Laverne. He's been something of a fine for Lusitz Racing. I think it's a, now we're going to hear rather more of an insurance racing. Bakani uh, pits the Porsche. He Motors Porsche from third position on this grid. Andrew Howard, by the way, is lifted right off of the middle sector. Crossing the line, Sola does not improve. Stays with a 1.44259, the 0.713 of a second gap. So he's going to be down to see whether Christopher Ulrich can make any improvement. I don't think he's going to do that, he doesn't.
0: And Andrew Howard... I think, is headed for the pits because he he was due across the line uh, earlier than this. And car 99, yes, uh, triggers the pit lane entry uh, timing loop. And therefore, that was Andrew Howard feeling he wasn't on a a good enough lap to beat his 145.475 set earlier on in the session which will put the British driver sixth in the uh, on the grid. So these are the cars that will assemble generally towards the rear, but there's nothing to stop a, a GTE a GT3 car rather having a quicker time than the slower LMP3s, and therefore having some overlap on the grid for tomorrow morning's race, which is a 9 o'clock start, by the way. Bright and early through till 11 o'clock, a two-hour race as the Michelin Le Mans Cup events generally are, apart from the Road to the Le Mans events, as I've already mentioned, in June. So, car 71, Lucic Racing with a fourth pole position of the season. What a way for them to go out in style, potentially. And what's that? that's done is actually condense the gap at the top of the order. It was nine points. It's now just eight to Kessel Racing. Lucic and Fabian Laverne with a fourth pole position of the season by seven-tenths of a second from their championship rivals, number eight, Kessel Racing and Sergio Pianazzola. Third on the grid will be a Porsche. EB Motors from Italy, number 88, and congratulations to Alessandra Bacani for that time. Dexter Muller pitted relatively early for SPS Automotive, having already bagged fourth place ahead of Christoph Ulrich for Spirit of Race, Andrew Howard Beach Dean AMR, and the two Kessel Racing Ferraris at the rear of the grid.
1: Uh, one thing that will certainly will have done uh you know with the uh the pole position being between the two championship contenders is it means that uh if Luzic racing win uh then third will now be good enough or uh for kessel racing, and that wouldn't have been the case if it gone the other way round it would have been uh, a rather tougher prospect,
0: yes, so it's uh Well, marginally increased their chances, moving to 97 points now. Um, They possibly wanted the gap to be seven points rather than eight, as it is now, because seven is the gap between winning a race, 25 points, and second, 18 points. Uh, And on countback, the most race wins currently going the way of Kessel, because they've had three at Ricard, Barcelona, and Spa-Francorchamps. Just the one race win... Surprisingly enough, for Lucic racing, I oh, know they had the two at Le Mans, and it's going to be interesting to know how much they count because normally on countback you pick out the race wins, 25 points, and whoever's got more of those. If we've got teams finishing on equal points, then they win. But of course, they were half races and half points at Le Mans, so I'm not sure how they carry weight when you do when you're dealing with countback. The rules rather complex in that respect. Anyway, we won't, um, we won't uh, sort of puddled about that just at the moment and we'll move on to LMP3s because the entry for these cars most impressive 18 which is the same number of LMP2s in the ELMS these days
1: yeah it's our farewell to these cars for the Michelin Le Mans Cup this weekend this is going to be the last time we see the first generation of LMP3s in Michelin Le Mans Cup competition it will be the same for the ELMS as well of course on Sunday before we see the new cars arrive and some of those are here in him uh, out in the paddock. There are two cars on display, another car undercover somewhere, the Ligier, and um, all three of those, the Odesse, the Ligier and the Duquesne, will be out testing with various customers on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I'm expecting some pretty spectacular times from those cars, but it's time for the moment uh, to welcome, for the final time, for a qualifying session in the michelin Mon Cup, the current generation of LMP3s and what great servants they've been. We've got a quick uh, look there at Alan Kostad, aboard the Kia Racing Car. Exciting plans for that team. Stepping up to LMP2 in the LMS next year with Adelara. This is the AT Racing Car, I believe. That is the uh, AT Racing Car of father and son Alexander Talkanitsa and Talkanitsa Jr. And United Sports
0: here in numbers as per usual with the 23 car being driven by Rod Hodes in this session but also be joined by Garrett Griss, the young Canadian for the race tomorrow. Garrett uh, got a busy weekend with a half of a two hour race to deal with and his portion of the ELMS in the afternoon.
1: But just two cars here for United Sports in this final round uh, after the woes that afflicted Mike Gouache earlier in the season at Silverstone. So two of the regular full season three That is the Kia Racing uh, car, number 43. And Costa, it should be to take that car out, some Lannan Racing. Very much in the title hunt now after the dramas at Spa.
0: Yeah, uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about that in detail because the decision was made late on Saturday night, possibly just into the hours of Sunday morning, that, in fact, the three cars that we'd called across the line at the end of the Spa-Francorchamps two hours all were disqualified. They were. I don't think I've ever been to a race meeting before where you celebrate the teams that have done so well on the podium, and then discover the following morning coming into the track that all three are, are no longer in the results, and well, actually Lannon Racing who finished fourth
1: were scored win, winners. And given that, that was a massive change uh, to the well to their fortunes at the championship standings. And of course they were the unlucky recipients of a kick in the backside uh, to their championship uh, hopes at Barcelona. A massive um, bike, by, by the way, fault-free accident. Or Mikey Benham, But uh, back with new car, and uh, were very much on form on Mikey's return to the fray. And uh, yet yeah, they were the well should be said from their point of view, lucky recipients of the bad luck or bad judgment that went the way of the three cars that were disqualified. That was to do with, by the way, the. Lengths of the bolts that fasten on the crash box on the front of the three normas that finish one, two, three, and they were found to have been shortened. Yeah. Um, and were found to have been shortened. That was determined to be a safety violation.
0: So zero effect on the pace of the cars, in fact, but there are health and safety uh, regulations quite deliberately. This is motorsport. It is highly dangerous, and everything to do with safety has got to be adhered to with no exceptions. And no. Uh, amazingly, all three cars had had their bolts shortened to by, very by, different, by different yeah. margins, but outside of the tolerance that is part of the regulation. So
1: why would you do that, is the question that's been asked more than once, and that is because it's quickly change it in an emergency. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the determination was safety violation, potential safety uh, implications, should that uh, crash box have been brought into play. Mm. As indeed, of course, we saw it was brought into play at Silverstone for Mike ash and to amazing effect.
0: Yes, Yes, in a big way during the European Le Mans Series event at Silverstone when the car turned left at Maggots and came very close to actually making contact with the tyre wall, but Mike, in fact, hit bare concrete and a huge impact. And Mike still recovering from that incident, is he not?
1: Uh, I I, I suspect so, yes. I think that that, that maybe slightly overplays the injury side. He certainly uh, cracked some ribs, and that's not something that's going to be... Uh, a quick fix, very painful. I mean, Mike, but massively fit, absolutely massively fit. But um, you know, any broken bone takes a little longer uh, to heal. The older you get, and uh, he like uh, he like me is not in the first flush of youth, although frankly his physical preparation is <laughs> somewhat further up the scale I than mine I wasn't going to say
0: that but you went there before I had chance anyway.
1: <laughs> it, it's a fair comment. Well, let's put yeah. it this way, he's way up the scale I'm not even on the scale. <laughs> in I, fact he, on any scales.
0: <laughs> I, I've never broken ribs but I do know people who have, have and, and they say, do you know, I didn't know that your ribs were involved in so many different movements uh, it's, of the body. Basically everything uh, you do it is, is painful.
1: vastly painful and incredibly debilitating and the thought of strapping yourself into a race car doesn't even begin to occur in the Circumstances, so hope you're listening and watching, Mike. Um, if you are still suffering, hope it's not gonna last for too much longer. And I hope we see you back very, very soon. Uh, a uh, massive competitor, previous champion, of course, in the ELMS. And yeah. uh, I hope we do see him back in 2020, board the new cars. That's a bit more news as we go through the weekend about the potential pace for those things, which is how can we put this surprising
0: indeed? So. And uh, yeah, there's some thought to be had, I think, later on as we uh, go towards the next year of motorsport, effectively, when the LMP3s, the new batch of LMP3s, uh, will be officially homologated and ready for competition. Exciting times in this category, but also a great chance to wave goodbye to these machines that have delivered some superb racing. Uh, not least at Le Mans, I and mean, I love seeing LMP3s out on track around the big eight and a half mile circuit. The slipstream is uh, m- most impressive, and yes, the norm is generally quicker down the straights, but Leclerc sometimes better in the twiddly bits. We've had Ligier's win as well in LMS and the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So, uh, either either manufacturer possible to take victory this weekend.
1: I should say as well, by the way, it's going to be the weekend uh, finale, not just for the normal M30 chassis and the Ligier JSP3 chassis, the uh, Ginetta, which we don't have on the grid here this weekend, we've seen examples in the desk in competition as well, but more, probably more than any of those is the Nissan 5-litre engine in the back of these cars that has done great service, it has got a very distinctive note, and not gonna miss that? It's going to be a very different-sounding car With the new Nismo engine in the back, and uh, looking forward to hearing that for the first time that I've heard it at least um, on Monday during testing. When uh, I gather, going to get wet conditions. Be quite interesting. Uh,
0: Yeah, uh, and possibly. Well, uh, the forecast I checked midweek. There was a chance of a bit of rain tomorrow as well. Maybe for the ELMS race. I think uh, everyone involved in the Michelin Le Mans Cup event should be fine. With temperatures really very healthy this weekend, and certainly today. Uh, not got the wind, the strong wind that we had here 12 months ago and that sun is pretty powerful if you're out in it for a long period but uh, that's what the Algarve is all about even in October and it's been confirmed that this is where we will end our championship in 2020 as well, although there are one or two tweaks elsewhere in the calendar which puts Barcelona as the opening round, does it not? Uh,
1: I think that's right, yes, we've we've switched uh, switched around, haven't we, with Paul Ricard?
0: Yeah, so grey market racing their number 20 car one of the first out on track this will be being driven by mark crader whose teammate is alex mortimer we will see alex in the race also racing experience the luxembourgish team Nicolas mella at the wheel joined by david hauser
1: absolutely uh, one new name on the uh, the order here we'll wait till we see the number 14 car the rlr car about that, but Mark Crader, uh, I think a, a great ex- uh, example of exactly the kind of racing you want to encourage into and through uh, this Michelin Le Mans Cup hopefully we'll see him stepping up and hopefully with Alex Mortimer as well to European Le Mans Series, unless they decide to hang around and have a crack at the championship here next year, year two good looking car prepared by Nielsen Racing Boys for Mark's Great market efforts
0: All 18 cars are out on track, so that's good to see, no dramas in the pit lane, and actually there was more a bit of waiting around, actually, just to make sure that the correct time, ten past three, locally, had ticked around before the session became live. It's another 15-minute session, the bulk of the opening five minutes is purely taken up by getting your car out and trying to find a little bit of space here and there more difficult to do obviously in an 18 car session rather than just the eight gt3s that we had but it's still going to be incredibly tight just as the gt3 part of qualifying was and as the cars ground out very slightly on that incline onto the main straight the uh, the, um, skid plank underneath the car that bit of wood Makes a right old pounding, and that uh, was just producing a little bit of dust, or a little bit of smoke, I should say, from the back of one or two cars there, exiting turn 16. Number 39 is one of a couple of graph entries from the French squad, and it's Adrian Schiller at the wheel.
1: Yeah, but he's been uh, been thrown off provisional pole position by an LMP3 uh, debutant, Rob Weldon. Uh, Long time radical racer shares this car with returnee, very welcome returnee for this final round, Alex Cipardia. The number 14 RLR car goes to the top and goes to the top with 9 tenths of a second clear, 143.483. He knows how to pedal a small prototype, does Rob Weldon. And we're about to see just how quickly, uh, I think this might be a bit of a dark horse <laughs> entry here this weekend.
0: Yeah, raced uh, Radicals in the International GT Open in the past as well and done some supercar challenge racing what, three years ago?
1: i of chat with Tony Wells about this uh, this man earlier and it's fair to say that Tony um, has got a huge amount of respect for him in Radical Racing, that's where Tony cut his teeth Indeed so. And uh, was gener- generous enough to say that uh, more often than not, Rob showed him the way in Radical Oh, but uh, that's not the way and I suspect that might be a bit of track limits there
0: Again, though, pushing hard to find the limit, which is what we'll see a lot of these bronze rated drivers doing, and then hopefully leave them in themselves enough time to put a tidy lap in at the end, having explored the very ragged edge of some of these corners. And of course, Rob getting more and more used to how an LMP3 behaves. It will, I'm sure, compare a little bit with the Radical, but also have its own
1: nuances to the top, by the way, as he makes his way around in a very spirited fashion. Two purple sectors on the way to the line. It wasn't quite three, but he's gone back to the top of time again, scoring a full second clear. He took two seconds off his best time there. 1.41.831 for Weldon. Nick and Melan have gone to the top with a 1.42.850, but that's been demolished by uh, that man. Meantime, this is the number two Nielsen car in the hands of Tony Wells. Tony pushing on. The moment down in 14th position,
0: um, powering his way out of turn five.
1: The Donker, by the way, puts a, a Ligier up into third with a 142.845. got a new, another new name there in the number five car up into second position.
0: with Triller and Kenneth Heyer
1: that is uh, not a name we've seen before in that car is it
0: no I don't think it is uh, Kenneth Heyer I know from other championships both
1: oh, Thriller
0: possibly uh, again that name certainly rings a bell but not from the Michelin Le Mans car so well, that's three quarters. Both.
1: he's three quarters of a second off uh, Rob Weldon so it's two newcomers to this championship one and two in this session
0: now Volkang has raced in the 24-8 series again just like Kenneth Heyer and uh, also some experience of the ADAC
1: GT Masters so Lots of GT3 experience. And, uh, well, pushing back to the top there, two of the more established racers in this championship. To the top goes briefly Mikey Benham. And Francois Kierman goes to the top of the number three DKR car. They're into the 141s. Also, Flying high, but beginning to tumble down as just about everybody improves. Tony Wells up into now seventh. It was fourth just a few moments ago. Rob Weldon, though, Big Frogs again, three tenths up. To Rob Weldon, Francois Kierman, Mikey Benham, Andrea Chiller, Nico Melan, Triller and Wells with Dodonka, Wolf, and John Corbett completing the top ten.
0: No surprise, then, that the championship regulars are towards the sharp end. Uh, Duncan Tappy, Mikey Benham lead on 91 points. Francois Kerman and Laurence Heur have had three pole positions already this year, uh, or rather Kerman has, more accurately. Laurence Heur doing the the racing and joining the Frenchman, of course. Uh, They are on 84 points currently, so the gap is just 7 and it could be six, of course, at the end of the session, but not if Rob Weldon's got anything to do about it. Wolfgang Triller now splits Kerman and Benham. So, DKR Engineering second and third.
1: It is Alixier, though, that is in front of six Norma M30s. Yeah, but Francois Kerman is on an absolute tear here. I think he's on track here with two purple sectors to beat the time of Rob Weldon, who's lifted off on this lap. We've got six and a half minutes to go. Francois Kerman in the number three car is on what looks to me to be a potential pole-setting lap here. Tenths up, multiple tenths up in the first sector.
0: Mikey Benham on an absolute tear as well. Set to improve, but not be as quick as François Kerman if Kerman can keep up this pace. And he's about to go across the line now. He does go to the top by nearly half a second. François
1: Kerman... On cue, then, for an, another pole position of the year, which would be his fourth. Beats his best time so far by about eight tenths on, on that lap, and it was a miraculously good uh, first sector, almost 31 seconds dead. It's taking four and five tenths off most of the men behind him in the first sector. That was where the damage was done to the rest. So Francois Kerman takes command of this session with under six minutes remaining. Fair Still here. Quick here, but uh,
0: Barely got the car stopped at turn four on the very next lap, by the way. The man from Strasbourg, it's, Francois Kiermann.
1: It's a time in first sector, by the way, that uh, is almost identical to the one he, he posted last time around. So we'll keep an eye on that time as it comes round. As uh, Mikey Benham pushing hard again. Looking for further improvements. His, uh, his target now is Rob Weldon rather than Francois Kierman, I suspect to get uh, the car onto the front row of the grid, looking as well what's going on here with Tony Wells. And where's Tony Wells? He's still seventh, improving again on this lap and with places to be made up with modest gains. Under five minutes down through the gears with Tony Wells as he approached turn
0: 14, which is sort of on a a little bit of a shelf, uh, at the edge of a precipice, and then you turn left, sharp left, and start to head downhill through 15 and 16, back up the other side, across the line, then goes Tony Wells in car uh, number two, and...
1: Up to sixth. It takes one place back. Okay, that was one spot I didn't think
0: he had actually gained, but he did improve and moves up one position. Again, almost running out of brakes, this time the 98 car... Uh,
1: which yep. was struggling for traction, that's Eric de Donca. Yep, he was flying high early part of the session, has struggled since, there has been dropping back down the order. So, it is Norma from Ligier, Kierman from Weldon, DKR from RLR, number three from nov- number 14 right now. The gap half a second, or bar two thousands. What can the second DKR card do? It's that uh, second quickest. Under a second back from pole position. Does not make an impact there.
0: Benham has just done the first sector quicker than he's managed all session. So uh, 31.282 Shabby at all. Swooping his way through turn 10 now. The left-hander which is in the the little valley. And then you reach the top of the hill at 11 and 12 before heading back downhill. There is Mikey Benham in fact. Falling off the edge of a cliff all the way through. Turns 13 and up to 14 on the other side of that uh, precipice, and three minutes still to go. He'll complete this lap and probably do two more
1: in the session. He and Tony Wells, uh, Rob Weldon for that matter, all on track to improve their times. How close can they get to that ball position?
0: Still Kerman fastest by 0.488 of a second, but can Benham maybe now split... DKR from RLRM Sport, yes he can, Lannon racing to second place, and that's only by two hundredths of a second to be quicker than Rob Weldon. But uh, Weldon
1: looks like he's going to go quicker again here, so it looks like this gap is going to start to come down a little. Tony Wells, did he improve? Yes, he did. But stays sixth for luck of things, he does.
0: So the time for Bennett, 141.025. Still waiting for Rob Weldon to cross the line in the number 14 car. He's going to do that in the next 10 seconds. Here he comes. And Rob Weldon goes across the line. No improvement no. because it's a slower final sector. 141.277. He was two-tenths of a second quicker for his best lap, which currently puts him third behind Kerman and behind Benham, the two championship fighters.
1: He's just lifting off there, and I think that's to give himself room for the final uh, final flying lap here. Two minutes to go, but the graph car is rather in his way. Slow right down there, in fact. giving himself either plenty of room or he's suddenly hit a problem. I'm hoping it's the, uh, the former. Mike Benham still, though, is pushing on. Yellow flag turn one, that's the number four cool racing car. I wonder if that was why there was the slowing up that, that happened in front of him.
0: Possibly so. That was, uh, you yeah, at the end of the long straight, there's that tricky first corner which you approach at very, very high speed. It's also slightly downhill, very much downhill on the approach as well. So you've got to get your braking point just right, particularly when you're driving to get the thousands of seconds necessary to improve position. So he was more backwards at turn two, actually, which is the right-hand king after the first right-hander. There are three right-hand bends to kick off the lap, and they progressively get... Well, the the first is pretty tight, then it's a slightly more open right-hander, and then a very slow turn four, which brings you into a tricky turn five, which can get more and more dusty through the course of the race as cars bring dirt onto the racing line.
1: Into the final minutes of the session, and for most of the major runners, this is going to be their final crack at this. Weldon, I think, will get through to start a final flying lap. He's given himself plenty of room here, if he's been giving himself room, he's not running a problem to pit lane.
0: Right on the boot bid of, I think, the 98 car of Eric de Donca. There's the 90, in fact, so that's the 80 racing car of Alexander Taukhenitsa, senior. So, again, trying to find the gaps in the traffic, just 15 seconds left on the clock, that means car 74 will manage to squeeze an extra lap out of the session, but Off. I don't think John Sherman will, because his number four car is only coming through turn 16 now, and this will be John Sherman's final lap.
1: Car 5, fourth on the, uh, in the order at the moment, has pitted, the car engineering's Norma, that will improve no more. Is that now a sitting target for others improving behind? There's one or two blue sectors kicking around there.
0: And talking of John Shaman and Cool Racing, he's decided to pit. Keo Racing do take the flag. A la Costa uh, finishing the session in 15th position. Here comes Tony Wells in the number two, currently in sixth place. Is it an improvement for the man from T-side? No for Tony Wells. So sixth place is the best that Nielsen Racing can hope for. Mikey Bennett, no improvement either. Michael and therefore the Lannan racing car will by the looks of things finish on the front row but not fastest that title instead going to Francois Kerman for yet another time this year
1: Yeah, the uh, decar Engineering Kerman uh, crosses the line is still in provisional pole, Rob Weldon well off the leading pace, Eric de Donca did he improve there? He didn't, uh, two quicker sectors but did not manage to complete that lap at Uh, an improved pace.
0: And a little bit of uh, untangling of cars coming out of the final few corners as well. That was the 90-car jostling for position. Rob Weldon not yet across the line, but as Graham's already remarked, has backed off the speed. So likely, I think, that Rob will actually head to the pits.
1: That's two laps at very much reduced speed from Rob Weldon. And when I say very much reduced speed, I mean multiple seconds... Um, it's
0: mildly concerning.
1: Because, of course, if that problem
0: can hit in a 15-minute qualifying session, it can certainly be a concern for the race. But Rob Weldon... They were both 20 seconds off the pace. Yeah. So is it an intermittent issue? It was actually Rob's game plan once that problem hit to try and diagnose it in the remaining portion of the session. Maybe. And then maybe. he can report back to the team, well, this is what's going on, and I tried to clear it and tried to do a little reset, but... Uh, to no joy anyway.
1: Everybody's home. That is the order, Johnny Palmer.
0: Yeah, so we'll get confirmation of that in just a second, but the number three car, Francois Kerman, taking pole position for the fourth time this year after poles at Ricard. The first Road to Le Mans event in June and last time out at Spa-Francorchamps. So he will start from the front row with teammate Laurence Hoer. Generally speaking, Kerman does the opening stint with the German driver, taking over at half distance. We'll wait to see how DKR engineering play it. But bear in mind, this is a team with such great success in the championship uh, through the years that there have been championship points for lmp 3 Bearing in mind, uh, last year in the team's championship, it was a victory for the Luxembourgish squad. They finished um, with 103 points on that occasion. And the previous year, also taking victory in 2017. So are we ever going to have a non-DKR engineering year? Well, Lannan Racing certainly hopes so. I don't think they expected to be in the championship fight uh, as they crossed the checkered flag line at Spa-Francorchamps because they were on fourth place. Mikey Benham had had a bit of a nightmare, I think it's fair to say, during his stint with a couple of off-track moments. But then when all the checks were made post-race, they were the winners because they were the first car across the line with a legal car effectively the top three being disqualified and that really shook up the championship heading to Portimao for the final event still 25 points on offer but the one point uh, that is for pole position goes to DKR engineering a 140.560 which is more success for Francois Kerman. Second place, the other championship uh, rivals, they are the Lannan Racing. They lead the championship still, despite that extra point for DKR, and they will start from second position ahead of RLRM Sport. A great performance from Rob Weldon new to the championship. Another DKR car, number five, will start from fourth, ahead of Graf's best machine, the number 39 car. Nielsen Racing, Tony Wells starts sixth, and then it's racing experience, AT Racing, Motorsport 98 to start from ninth place and CD Sport, the Spanish squad, to start from 10th position. So well done to Jacques Wolfe, who put in that time, which was two and a half seconds slower than Francois Kerman's effort. And to complete the 18, it'll be the number nine car to start from 11th place. Grain Market Racing, number 20, Mark Crader to start 12th, ahead of John Schaumann, who pitted just before the chequered flag was displayed, Two United Autosports cars, 14th and the 15th, 23 ahead of 22. The 74 car of Cool Racing, that's uh, Morris Smith, will start from 16th, plays ahead of the Spirit of Race, 55, and Keogh Racing's number 43. Fabulous shot from the helicopter of this wonderful facility, the Algarve International Circuit at Portimao, uh, just, what, half an hour's drive or so from the Atlantic Ocean and the south coast of Portugal. So, I hope that's wetted your lips for the Michelin Le Mans Cup this weekend. Remember, we don't have a race today. Normally, it is Saturday evening, but we've got to wait till tomorrow morning. The race starts at 9 o'clock sharp local time, but we will be on air 20 minutes before that. My thanks to Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com. From Graham and from Johnny Palmer, Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production.
1: Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.